about. I'm going to talk into some of the foundations of what makes us tick as a church. And this, what we're doing today, illustrates the vision of this house. What we've managed to achieve over the last years with Hannah and Gareth and their direction and where they're going speaks into who we are as a community. It's a bit like a wedding. I do weddings uh, and when I'll preach at a wedding, I'll talk to the couple um, that will sit there. But oddly, I'm off. I'm not just talking to a couple. I'm talking to every relationship in the room. You know, and actually, we need to understand we, we learn corporately as a community and we learn individually. You know, I want you to understand the basis. So when we're talking, when, if I direct to Hannah and Gaff, I want you to understand and go, what does that mean for me, for us, for we? Because we're growing together on this journey. And I want to put you into the Bible, if I can, to illustrate why we do what we do. And turn to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1 and verse 3. Because I just want to lay the biblical foundation of why we are what we are. We don't just create a good idea, we go on what the Word of God says into our life. So Paul is writing, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God that I serve with a clear conscience. Just as my ancestors did, night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again. I remember your tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues in you. And this is why I remind you to fan into flame the spiritual gift. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline. I'm going to talk about legacy today because this scripture speaks into legacy. And I want you to understand what Paul is doing to Timothy. And I want to break a little bit of a, a myth that we have about Timothy. Okay, Timothy got saved when Paul went on the road on a missionary journey to tell the world for Jesus. And he ends up in a town called Lystra where he meets Lois and he meets um, Timothy's mother and grandmother. And that is where Timothy gets saved. We don't know his age, but we're just going to imagine that Timothy gets saved when Paul's around, around about 18. When he is writing this, Timothy's about 36 years of age. He's also the bishop of Ephesus as a church, okay? So if you've even been brought up that Timothy is a young man and he's just writing to a young man before he started, you're actually wrong in your supposition because he's already experienced in leadership. He's already walked the journey and he's going with that. And I want to kind of talk a little bit, just at the start, of the relationship between Paul and Timothy because it was Paul who took him there, but Timothy who went. And here, in this book, there's a transition that's about to shift. And it's about to move as Timothy takes on a greater level of responsibility. And on Gareth, I want you to understand this. Legacy is not leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. We often look at legacy and what can I leave behind? If you've known a family friend, when my granddad died, you know, my nan said, I'd just like to give you, this is really kind of one of your granddad's possessions, and it was just a, a suede book cover. And I was like, I don't know what to do with that. I don't know. I just put it in a drawer somewhere, and it never, on the journey, it's, that's not a legacy, is it? 
You know, and you'll know the things that's passed around. This was special to them. And actually, the legacy is their memory. The legacy is what they stood for. The legacy is how they support you. The legacy was the meals that they did. The legacy was the fun that you had. The legacy was the values that they carried. It wasn't the suede book cover. A suede book cover, I can tell you this. And that doesn't make me ungrateful. But what changes my life was that person in my life, not their possessions. I don't know, I, as a minister, I see all sorts of ructions and fights over the death of a relative, and it's all over possessions. It's never about for legacy. You know, and there's something to get hold of in our spirit. Uh, we understand what legacy is all about. And number one is, I want you to know that uh, Paul was a parent to Timothy. He met him when he was traveling. He saw God in him. And we know it was written that people spoke highly of Timothy. And so in Acts chapter 60, verse 3, you'll get Paul wanted to take him on the journey. Legacies start when you see greatness in other people. The skill of leadership, by the way, is not about the greatness in you, it's what you see in others. Your skill as a leader is how you can get that greatness out. That is what great leadership is really all about. Paul was the master of this as a parent and bringing out the greatness. In, in Paul's second letter to Timothy, he says, you know what I teach You know how I live. You know what the purpose of my life is. You know my faith. You know my patience. You know my love. And you know my endurance. Paul became a pace setter to Timothy. He did that by bringing alongside and going, I want you to look at the God in me. I want you to look at how I focus on this cause that is Jesus Christ. And I want you to learn from that. We as a church need to open up our legacies that's within us and say, you need to see the greatness in us. You understand the devil's got a plan to tell you how terrible you are. To tell you where you're making this mistake, to tell you where you're going wrong. The whole thing about God is this, you are incredible. I have put greatness within you. When you realize that, it's not pride. It's saying, come on, let's just show you Jesus. Leadership is showing Jesus to others and connecting the two together. And so Paul became a pace setter to Timothy. He also became a partner. Romans 16 verse 21, Timothy. My fellow worker, he sends you his greetings. Timothy's gone from being a son to a student to being a colleague and a co-laborer. 18 years journey of being developed by Paul on the road. And Paul actually does a significant work in Ephesus, plants a church there, spends three years of his life there. When Paul transitions to that, he says, Timothy, I want to place you in Ephesus because you're the person who can bring this. When he writes 1 Timothy, um, the book of 1 Timothy, he is writing uh, when he's in prison, just got released from prison for the second time, and Paul's writing and saying, this is how you structure the church. In 2 Timothy, let me tell you what's happening, is Paul is imprisoned for the third and the last time, and Paul knows his end is coming. He can see his future, and he can see that his execution, his death warrant is signed. Interestingly enough, what happens on our deathbed, isn't it? People never say, I wish I played golf more. People never say, I wish I put some more hours in at the office. Do you know what people say on their deathbed? Where is my family? Why? Because we understand there's a legacy and a transition that we want to put in. This 2 Timothy is about Paul saying, where is my son? And he actually, at the end of 2 Timothy, is such a fantastic, he goes, can you come and see me before I go? Because you get my true son in it. I want to pass on to you. Because what you're about to do, I want you to take on what I started. 
I want you to push it on to go to that next level because God has got another calling for me, another direction. And for Paul, it was eternity. But Timothy, you need to carry on. He's not novice by this stage. He's not inexperienced. But for Timothy, it is a step-up moment in his life. If you read the book of 2 Timothy, he says there's challenges, by the way, just to kind of not to overreg, by the way. There's two people, Tim and Helen. Helen from Newbridge Church, by the way. Uh, and I don't know, I kind of, there's going to be challenges, I'm guessing. Is that right? Yeah, only because I know leadership. There's, a, there's never challenges too far away when you're, you're a leadership. So that the challenge is going to come. And it's fantastic. This legacy I want to give you. And you kind of, obviously, when we, get, when we receive a legacy, if you've ever heard a will being read out, you're just going with one minute in mind. How much money do I get? How much money do I get? You know? And, and what Paul says, here's your legacy. There's going to be challenges. Don't worry about this, by the way, seriously, because you're gifted for it. You're called for it. You're shaped for it. You're strengthened for it. You're prepped for it. You've walked already journeys of challenges. It's not a new thing that you go into, but Paul is saying, get ready for challenges, okay? Like going to the gym is a challenge, all right? Alex, where are you? He makes it look easy. He looks like he could do it with his teeth. Right? He's been doing it for years. All right? Already. So, but the whole thing, Jim, is about resistance, about the challenge builds your muscle strength. If you're going through a challenge right now, I want to comfort you. You are getting stronger. You are not getting weaker. And there's not many amens to that. <laughs> that is the truth of suffering. Foundations. He said the second thing, I want you to build foundations. You can't change anything. Nobody you actually don't become the foundation. In our life, we need to build strong foundations. You want to see transition in your family? You've got to build a foundation. You've got to put that levels down, that ground level thing. I'm going to transition. Timothy, I want you to stand into the gap. 2 Timothy 2 verse 2, uh, which I, I want to leave you with a key scripture if I can. I like it because it's got all the same numbers in so you can remember it. Um, but that's how my brain works. Timothy, my dear son, be strong for the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people that you'll be able to pass them on to others. That's the goal of leadership. You've got to teach to others. Leadership is not about receiving for yourself. What I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you. Okay, that's a great communion, you know, which we were reading on that. I just want to pass on. Leadership is about passing on what God has deposited. That's why prayer is so key important. That's why reading the Bible is that's why opening yourself up to God, your life becomes a prophetic message. You know, in the circumstances, God says, I'm going to put you through things so that I can help you teach the church. My life is no different for you guys. You've seen us as a family go through different things. In it is God's grace. So why does God put me through a journey like the cancer? Because of God's grace. Because God says, I want to do something in you to show something about me. Because it's not actually about me. It's about him. It's about God's grace. It's about God's strength. It's about God's peace. It's about God's hope. It's about God's faith that pulls us through the darkness and the challenges of life. And then Paul gets to that end statement, 2 Timothy 4 verse 7. Timothy, I fought the good fight. I've finished the race, I've remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And that prize is not just for me, but it's for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Fight the good fight, finish the race, remain faithful. That's, that's a, an encouragement to us all. Fight the good fight. 
Remain faithful. Finish the race. It matters. Who likes athletics when they come on the TV during the summer? We like it because it's free on TV, isn't it? You know? I need to get you out a bit more, church, all right? We need to get out. I'm going to show you some bit of sport, uh, if that's all right. Um, it's a four by 100 meters. And uh, anybody heard of a chap called Usain Bolt? This is his final race. This is his retirement. This is where he's going out in, in a whole blaze of glory, you know, and it's a four by 100. So are we ready to show what happened on Usain Bolt's final 4 by 100 meters relay race. By 100 meters. 2012 Olympics. Gee, was it that the way around? 2017. <clears throat> yeah, we was there in, in that athletic. Right? The atmosphere is incredible. The crowd, you know, is just there chanting, cheering on whatever the race, whatever nation, the right behind it. There's such a great feel, isn't it? You know that great scripture in, I think it's Hebrews 12, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us run the race with endurance. You know, you get the feel of that. There is heaven that's gathered around you, looking at your life, looking what you're doing, going, come on! Do, do it. This is it. And you know, if you've ever been in the ground, your context, your understanding of speed is like nothing else that you don't get on TV. You don't get from a distance. You get by seeing it in, in live and, you, and you're just going. And when the gun goes off, the crowd goes up and there's this whole cheering moment, you know, and, it, and it's an incredible thing. And the Bible talks about running a lot. And I wanted to just go through this particular race, the 4 by 100 relay, because I think it's got relevance to where I want to take the journey. The four runners in 4x100, they have to transition the baton from stage to stage. Okay, So there's three changeover points that happen in the race when they have to finger. The goal is to get the baton across the line. It is not to get people across the line. It is to get the baton. That is what wins you the race. This has to start at the start. It has to cross the line. If it does not happen, there's a disqualification. The baton is important. You understand this? The baton is really unimportant. I wanted to talk about the kind of the transitions first because the forerunners represent to us the generations. We need to pass this baton on to every generation, one to the another. We need to get that across the line. The baton represents the gospel of Jesus Christ. The great news of Jesus. Okay, for this allegory, this is Jesus. Okay, this is what I want to motivate you to do. I want to give you this. I want to, part of my role of leadership is to put this into your hand and go and run your race. Carry Jesus into every area of your life. Your role as a leader is not just to take it yourself, but it's to pass it on to others. I want to give you this. This is the great news of Jesus, right? I might be great, but I will not be able to get you into heaven. We'll have a good time on the way, I can admit that, you know, and we'll have fun and we'll have a laugh, you know, and, um, you know, but I can't get you across the line. You know what gets you across the line is I know Jesus Christ. You know what breaks addiction in your life? Jesus Christ. You know what restores your relationship with God? Jesus Christ. He is the hope of the world. This is what it's really all about, okay? This is not a clever mechanism we're doing in church. You just need to understand that we are carrying Jesus wherever we're going. Each allocated part of the course represents the call of God on our life, okay? So we're in a particular section, and we're carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. You need to understand your life and your season and your now point, because what I need to do now, there's a transition area. There's a moment when there's a transition that is made. 
There's a moment when there's a transference. One generation needs to pass on to the next generation. The great news of Jesus Christ, that's what church is really all about. There's different stages that happen. There's a transition of responsibility. There's releasing of others. There's leaving a legacy. In Numbers chapter 8, verse 24, it talks about the transition of the, the Old Testament priestly system. I kind of love this because it's got logistics in it. So if you like logistics, you'll understand this. Let me tell you, in there's three sections in the priestly. You were either 0 to 25, you were either 25 to 50, or you were over 50, okay? So I just want you to do a kind of quick thing in the church. If you are 0 to 25, just stand to your feet right now. You're here. Let's give them a round of applause. Go, woohoo, yes! Thanks, you can take your seat. You, you love the attention. Well, on, on Instagram you do. <laughs> when it comes to public, oh, no, no, is it? If you're between 25 and 50, can I stand up now? I'm standing, everyone. Come on. Right, let's give them a round of applause as well. Skip. If you're over 25, I'll give you a bit more time. Can you stand up now? <laughs> what did I say? Okay, so if you're over 50, you understand. <laughs> All right, my memory's already good. Come on, stand up, guys. Wow. We're honored. Let's give them a round of applause. Come on, guys. By the way, the first thing, right, right, we can't how you feel about it. That's all you can do. Can't change your age, maximize how you feel. But you understand each generation needs to pass on one to the next. And actually, so if you're under 25 in the priestly system, you will be prepared and you will learn what it is to carry the responsibility of God to that nation. You know, if you were 25 to 50, you were serving that generation to say, we will carry, we will hold the responsibility of God. And if you was in this bracket as a priest, your responsibility was, I am now passing on the baton to the, the 25 to 50s, and I'm going to move, and I'm going to start training these guys. There was nobody redundant in the old priestly system. You did not get here, by the way, and retire. You stopped your active level of service, but you just moved position to saying, I know what it takes to carry this through every generation. I love this because it's got a corporate feel. And in this church, we need to take responsibility at every generation that I know I lean into this area because I just see potential in our young. I see what God is calling. I want to set that on fire. And I talk into that. I lean into that because I want them to get into this group, which when you stood, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, but you were the smallest group. You understand when this group starts to shrink, it starts to pull back this group. It starts to pull on in a sense to try and do that. Every generation needs to be represented because if we miss a generation, we are sunk in the water. Every generation is relevant. He said the devil's got some clever things, by the way, because if you're in here, he starts to get you to criticize the young, going, the young didn't have it as good as I did. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to unsettle them. Of course they didn't have it what you are because you lived in a different era. Good and bad. There's good parts to it. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. He's actually, whatever you in your life, I am championing you. I'm going to pass in the gospel. I'm going to share the Holy Spirit with you. I want to get you on the road because I know that God's got a plan for you. And we need to commit and lean into that. Psalm 145 verse 4 says, One generation commends your work to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. See, when I was in this age... There was a gap. And the gap for me within spiritual heritage was here. 
I could see my grandfathers in the faith and I read their books. I saw incredible miracles. I saw incredible sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet here, there's a gap. You know when you're into this place, if that happens for you, you feel slightly abandoned because you're reached. And if it comes to transition, by the way, and you want to go, I want to grab hold of this, it's an extra transition that's happened. That's what I was brought up into. Which is why, by the way, I carry this incredible heart to go, if I can get this right, I can grow this forward. Family had a priceless family heirloom, which was a vase that was passed down from one generation to the next. And one day the parents of the family who had the possession of the father left the teenagers at home while they went out shopping for the day. Who's ever left the teenagers at home while you went shopping? When they returned home, the children met the parents at the door with sad faces, saying, Mother, Father, you know that priceless heirloom that our family passes down from one generation to the next? Well, our generation just dropped it. You see, when I was brought up, this generation dropped the baton. We need to get into our psyche, into our philosophy, into our leadership mandate that every generation needs to get hold of the baton. We can't do life without Jesus. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is life itself. We need to go, right, what is my part? Each generation has memories and stories and values that it wants to pass on to the next generation. Particular spiritual values of faith. We need to get Jesus back into our conversation in the home. Let me tell you why I follow Jesus, my dad. Because I would come down in the morning and I would walk into the front room and my dad was sat in the corner on that same chair with his Bible open and he'd be reading his Bible. He was normally in on a break because he was a postman. He'd already been out uh, since 4 a.m., delivering the rounds, he'd come back for a break and then he'd go back out again before I went to school. When I came in after school, my mum was working because my both parents had to work their jobs in a sense to get the income into the family. My dad was a part-time pastor, but he would be at home in the front room when I come back. I, you knew he was at home because he was playing Barry Maguire or something uh, quite garish out there because I knew mum wasn't there and that was the only time he could play the music he wanted because mum had a different taste of music, you know, so he, I knew he was in. But you know what, in that after school, that's the moment when I sat down and talked to my dad and said, asking him so many questions about faith. As a son, you, you push against you know, what other people believe because you're trying to find out what you believe for yourself. My dad just sat there, took every question and didn't tell me what the right answer is, got me to explore it for myself. That's why I found Jesus. One generation tells the next. So in the community, it might have not been there because I was in a really tiny church that had that missing gap, but I had a dad at home he says, I'm just going to share the love of Jesus with you. I wouldn't be here without my parents. Let's not drop the baton. You think, by the way, in the rules of 4 by 100 meter leaders, if you drop the baton, you're disqualified. You think that, don't you? That's not actually true. You drop the baton, you have to go back. You're allowed within the laws to leave your lane and to pick it up and to take it back where the baton left the lane and carry on running with it. Let me tell you, if you've dropped the baton in your life, it is not over. The race is not over. What matters now is what you do now with this moment. The matters now is, okay, I might not feel I've done my life is, but in the days that I have got left, I am going to grab that baton and I am going to pick it up. I am going to run around the race of my life. And you will not regret doing that. 
Because sometimes we can spend our life going, it's all over, I've dropped it, God doesn't want me anymore because I've stuffed up, I thought that. That is not true because grace gets you back on the track. The grace of Jesus Christ is so restorative in our life that he goes, come on, pick it up. As the crowd's going, pick it up, pick it up, pick it up, you know. And, and don't stand there going, I'm a failure. You're not a failure. You're only a failure if you stand there and you don't pick it up. You grab it and you start to run. You get disqualified if you step out of lane. So I have this theory about disqualification, right? And we, we look at these stewards' inquiries when it happens, and we all go, because Britain might have stepped out of lane, and we so want the stewards to give them a chance, and there's no chance coming. Why? Because the rules say. And then we go, boo, stewards. They just don't want Britain to win this race, do they? You know, And that's how we feel, right? It's how we feel naturally. But let me tell you, it was the athlete who stood out the lane, not the stewards. First thing, when it comes to us stepping out of lane, understand that it's our responsibility. Don't blame anybody else for your mistakes. If you have sin in your life, if you've done things wrong, own it and take it to Jesus because he will take the responsibility for that. Puts us back on the track. Puts the bat in the hand. Forgiveness means you're back in the race. It's not God that disqualifies you. It's you. It's Jesus who puts you back on the track. And we get running, and we're off on the race, you know, and often you'll see that sad story of Usain Bolt. It was true. His last race, he did not finish. As a pastor, as a leader, I, I watch sometimes people not finishing. doesn't matter how hard I preach. doesn't matter how much I pray. Because I actually can't change people's will. As a leader, I can only present the gospel of Jesus Christ and say it's there for you. Will you take it? Some people don't. Some people don't finish. See, when we think about passing the baton down, we think that transition happens by osmosis, which means it just happens naturally. You don't need to do anything. That's not true. Transition does not happen. It doesn't happen, right? The transition of baton passing doesn't happen. Somebody's just running. Yep, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven, everyone. Woo-hoo! And you hope somebody will sometimes will come and take the baton. You know the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't right. It goes around and says, right, I want to take this baton. Matt, can you do me a favor? Can you pass that bat that baton to that section? Can you just pass it around one to another, if that's all right? Stuart Simon. Stuart. <laughs> Not if I only just met you. Can you do that for the back session? Can you pass it on to that back session? Take a feel of it. Feel what it is on the hand, by the way. Heavy baton's the same. It's part of it. Can you pass it around the front section? Just pass it on. You've got to be intentional in passing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Transition doesn't happen by the professionals, by the way. Worst thing in leadership, you think it's the responsibility of leadership to pass on the baton? No, the responsibility is us. We are all priests in Christ. We carry the baton. We pass on the message of Jesus. It's not just one trained professional. You're recruiting a whole team to do this transition. Some people think that it's not worth the effort. If you think that, you're blinded by ignorance. I want you to step into eternity. And I want you to look at the difference that Jesus makes in people's lives. And then I want you to come back and look at people's lives and say to yourself, it's okay for you not to tell them the great news of Jesus. It's not. What God has done for us is so incredible. 
It is so amazing. We need to get hold of a new confidence as a church. We're going to pass the baton of this. I, I love this. It's a slightly geeky thing, by the way, called the changeover box. Um, I'm a geek, by the way. If you don't know this already, if you've been going here long enough, um, I like facts. So um, in the commentary earlier, I was worried about who was running lane six because it said Jamaica in lane five and Britain in lane seven. And my brain's going, well, who's in lane six? You know, I mean, there's somebody, but obviously it's a country that's not important today. You know, but, you know, that's, that's what matters to me in the whole thing. <laughs> you get it? <laughs> so this is the geeky thing, the transition box, right? It's 20 meters long. The transition box, right? There's lines on here you might not be able to see. Okay, let's just imagine this is a 10-meter box, and this is a 10-meter box. So the transition box is, anybody got a, a, a baton I can use? Fantastic. Come on, run, 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 transition. Got it, it's fantastic, it's great. The, the incoming runner enters the transition box, has to pass it on to the next runner before the end of that box. They've only got 20 meters. Now, this is where it gets maths, right? I like this. Okay, you'd think that the best time to receive the box is here. Okay, so right in the middle of the box, that's, this is where the transition has happened. You just stand on the line if you're the receiving, and then when somebody goes, you go running. No, 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 it's a lot more advanced like this because there's a legislation that says you can start running. If you're the outgoing runner, you can start 10 meters before the transition box. So it's all about timing on the transition. You can see the person, the generation behind you is carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ and they're running and they're going, get going now. And so literally 10 meters before that transition happens, you start running. Right? It's not today that Hannah and Gav have entered the transition box. They started running 18 years ago. This, this whole journey kind of is, is not just starting today. They started running. They saw the vision. They saw the call of God. They put their hands up and says, I- I'm going to take this. You know, would you pass it on, Aaron? You know, and, and I saw them. And, and I saw them ready, positioned, ready. I saw the hands going, and I'm just going, run now. But we're not carrying anything. It doesn't matter. Run. You're going to get it. It's coming. There's a time when we've got to see what God is doing in our life. That we've got to move into the box and say, well, I'm ready. Gareth, come on. Because there's a space and a season and a timing in life when we have to get the baton on here. You'd think the best time of transition is here. Let me tell you when the best time of transition is. Keep going. <laughs> hold there, hold there. Let me tell you, to get up your mass- maximum acceleration, if you are a sprinter, it takes you at least 30 meters. Work it out. 30 meters. Maximum acceleration, because it's running. It's right on this point, and, and here you can see, you can feel the pressure of this transition. He's already running. He's already at maximum acceleration. You will not hit your maximum speed till 50, 60 meters is your maximum speed. Difference between acceleration and speed. You've got that? The whole process of this transition is about learning to get Hannah and Gareth up to maximum speed. So they're already hitting the ground running, by the way. They're not novices. Never think that first post in. They are already working the capacity of senior leadership already. They understand what's going on. They've been in the room. They've shared this, and they're, they're about to go at maximum speed. They haven't been sat idle. I'm going to wait for my chance. Some people think if you want leadership, you, what you do is you just stand in this box going, no, no, you've got to start running. This is a box called service, commitment. Loyalty, responsibility. Put the hand out, go on. Let's just at least have a good pose. (laughs) 
you need to understand there's something about leadership, by the way. You've got to let go. You have to let go. What would happen in a race if you got the thing going, no, it's my baton? Let me tell you, baton is not a place. Baton is not a position. Baton is not a purpose. The baton is Jesus Christ. I'm not holding on to a position. Love you. Because you get it. You, you understand what it is. The call of God is not linked and just it's just about the place. It's about this whole thing of God is suddenly, right, because the baton talks to us. It's great. Jesus says, right, I want you to get to Newbridge. Where's Newbridge? You know where Newbridge is, isn't it, you know? Because Jesus says, that's where I want to go. Because we take the gospel all over the world. How, I'm just overjoyed. Andy Hood, where are you, Andy? Andy's leading worship tonight in St. Michael's in Alfington. Right? Because he's just a person, right? He's, he's been there and just hanging. He's picked up the baton and says, I'm going to carry this anointing into St. Michael's tonight. And he, we've prayed for him already. If you want to go and just visit, support them, what time is it? Half four. Half, half four. You do know that. Half four. I love that. Dave Summer, where are you? Dave Baton, I can't run that far. <laughs> well, well, I can. Go on, keep going. Yeah, I'm not. This man's just retired, right? And he's so excited because he's now going, all right, I'm free to serve the call of God with more time. Yeah. <laughs> Christianaway, where's Christianaway? Can you go and give that to Christianaway? Because as you do, that's all right. Christianaway's going on holiday, right? And this is, a, this is a version of holiday. She wants to go to holiday camp full of people to pray for them to receive healing. This is what transition looks like. Henry, <laughs> come and stand up here for a Let me finish with legacy. Jonathan Edwards. He was a, a renowned preacher in the 1700s, by the way. And um, I know you feel awkward, by the way, but um, stand at the front. I hated it last week when you did the same, so I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to do it worse. It's, it's a natural thing. I do understand this, but goldfish bowl leadership, by the way. It happens, by the way. It's not you don't fully understand leadership. You suddenly get put in a place when everybody's looking. Some people make judgments. Some people believe. You get both. It feels exposed. That's why you need a team. Tim and Helen were, were so honored. Can you just come and stand with them so they're not exposed, if that's all right? They're just from Newbridge. Just, just stand just behind them and say, I've got your back. There's others part of the leadership team that are supporting, and we're so glad that you could come and stand with them. You feel a bit exposed when you do that too, don't you? Because we just like, first time you've met us, and you just drag through, isn't it? <laughs> there is a cost to support leadership. You understand that? Because I don't know if you know this, but some of the criticisms will come to you, and you're, you're going to have to make a choice to field them and just go, that's not worth passing on or weren't worth it seeing. That's part of that whole goldfish bowl, this legacy. Jonathan Edwards, great preacher. 150 years after his death, they did a, a track of his lineage. And I just want to tell you his lineage, by the way, because I want to talk about legacy, what God does, right? One U.S. vice president came out of his family line. Three U.S. senators, three governors, three mayors. 13 college presidents, 30 judges, 65 professors, 80 public office holders, 100 lawyers, and 100 missionaries. That's not a bad legacy for somebody who lived his life for Jesus. 150 years, that's, that's the legacy of his family, right? If we're going to believe in carrying the gospel, we need to start believing legacy for our family. Yeah? We're passing on to you. Legacy is not leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, I want you to entrust to men 
and women who will be able to teach others also. We, we go and send with them. We're going to pray for Hannah and Gareth. I, I, I did some craft, right? Just to let you know. Now, everybody thinks I'm a crafty person because there are more crafty persons in this church, so I've made something for you. And I um, just want to present, if that's all right, it's your baton of your own to go and put in your office uh, or in the drawer or something. But we want to recognize and we do want to honor Hannah and Gareth um, for their years of service. They are exceptional. They have leaned in to me and Rachel in ways that you won't have known. They've been there, they've backed, they've prayed at cost to themselves. They've always been bivocational. And what I mean by that, they've served within leadership and carried a full-time job. That's how competent they are. They're able to do it. This is a release point for them. They've still got hurdles to do that. Um, I said I wouldn't forget this. So, John, just want to get the flowers in the picture and an envelope. We might just, at least you can take responsibility for that. If you want to pray for Hannah and Gareth, we're going to pray now. Um, so I'm going to ask you all to stand, but if you want to come and pray and do the prayer scrum, you're welcome to do that. So can I make your move? That's right. Stand forward. Come on. Grab around them. I know it's hot and sweaty, but you can touch them. Just put your hands towards them. You're part of this legacy, church. I know this. When we give of our best, God sends us blessings. He's already sent us blessings in abundance, and we've seen that in the transition. Hannah and Gareth, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom to preach the word and to be ready in season and out of season Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine. They will have itching ears to accumulate for themselves teachers that suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to truth and wander off into all sorts of myths. But for you, be sober-minded, end your suffering, do the work of the evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. They were Paul's words to Timothy. They stand today and what I'm charging you right now. Paul's example was that he said, I've poured my life out as a drink offering. I want you to do the same. He said, I fought the good fight. You go and fight the same. I've finished my race. Finish yours. I've kept the faith. Keep yours. If you do this, there is laid up for you the crown of righteousness, which the Lord of the righteousness will award you on this day. And not only to you, but also to all who love his appearing. So Gareth and Hannah, we send you out on the mission to which you are called by Christ Jesus, who is our Savior, who is our Lord, and our Messiah. We send you with our blessing. May your marriage be blessed. May your family be blessed. May the community God chose you to lead be blessed. Through your ministry, may you help others to find God and follow Jesus. Come and join us, Naomi. Come on, that's lovely. May you transform your community of Newbridge by motivating people to experience God, find freedom, 
discover their purpose and make a difference. We pray that your church will be a missional movement that is authentic, that is alive, and that is a growing family. We will continue to pray for you. We will support you now and in the years to come. We'll be here for you, cheering you on as you carry the baton of leadership to which God has appointed you. So run with passion. Run with energy. Run with wisdom. And pass on to others, those who will carry further than you can. In Jesus' name.